Welcome back, everybody, to the Fantasy Hockey Hacks podcast, a proud member of the Hockey Podcast Network and the official podcast of Left Wing Lock, your number one source for fantasy hockey intelligence. I'm Devin Davidson, your host. With me, as always, Bruce Gunther. And that is it. That is all for tonight. The original OGs. Um, just us. Just us. No, no Tyler John. A couple of workaholics working late tonight. I'm on holiday, so I'm not working at all. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I am days away from holidays, so I'm just trying to enjoy uh, a bit of the calm before the storm here in terms of hockey and what's going on this summer. Uh, which, which is actually... Good segue, Bruce, into our uh, our episode here. So episode 72, we're doing a fantasy hockey mailbag, mostly because I just wasn't ready to start divisional and team previews yet. So uh, <laughs> so here we are. Uh, I should mention as well, this episode is brought to you by Pro Hockey Life, the ultimate hockey megastore, apparel, hockey equipment, street hockey equipment, training, fitness, in-store services, and much, much more. This should be a fun one, Bruce. I think we can probably get through this in less than an hour, just the two of us. Shouldn't take too long. It might not be as funny. Um, <laughs> no, there might not be as many many comments and stuff, but yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll be fine. We'll do our best. Uh, we are going to hijack John's segment here, John's list, of course. So for anyone nice. that, uh, if you've been listening for a while, you undoubtedly have heard John's list, which is basically John's shit list of players past and present. And tonight, Bruce, the list, I'm on John's behalf, the Florida Panthers... This is my take. I'm not sure how you feel, but the Florida Panthers make the list for essentially giving up half their roster and a first-round draft pick for Matthew Kachuk. What's your take on that trade? Uh, well, initially, I'm like, holy hell, what is what, what is Florida doing? And then after spending a couple of days now getting a chance to look at it, actually, I really like it for Florida because you look at what they had for cap space. They weren't going to be able to re-sign Uyghur and Huberto. It just, it just wasn't going to work for them the way they had. So they get Kachuk, who's... By the time the season starts, going to be five years younger than Huberto. You sign him up for eight years, so great. You've got him locked up till he's 32. If they re-sign Huberto to an eight-year, they've got him till he's 37. And is he really going to be that good in his later 30s as he is now? Chances are probably not. Probably not. And Uyghur, yeah, that's a, that's a big loss. Like I think that's a, a big loss for their defense because that was part of their top pairing with Ekblad, but they've got some pretty nice defense when they've got in through trade here over the past couple of years. I think that can fill in there nicely and they'll bring one of their young guys up to fill the gap in. And I think overall, I think Florida actually granted. Yeah. They gave up a King's ransom to get Kachuk. I think it just shows you how badly they wanted him for what they, what they gave up because you look at what some of the rumored other offers were. It was basically, Here's a player with salary cap and a sack of pucks. That's what we're going to give you for <laughs> for, for Kachuk. And Florida said, no, we're going to do, we're going to give you this, this, and this. And uh, there's a part of the kitchen sink. We're just going to give it to you. So I, I think it, overall for Florida, I think it's great. They put them, it puts them in a great position. They're, they're going to be good for quite some time. And Calgary, well, well, we'll see what happens, right? So they got Hubert they got Uyghur now. Hey, look, they have 10 defensemen under contract right now. <laughs> So That's good. You can the, never have too many defensemen. So they might someone might be playing forward because they only have 10 forwards signed. So but and for Calgary, yeah, they made out like bandits, right? You got Huberto, you got Uyghur, you got Schmidt, who seems to be a decent prospect, and you get a first first round pick out of it too, right? So yeah. It's lottery protected, but I don't think Florida's at any chance of winning the lottery anytime soon. No, and it's in 2025 as well. So they avoid next year's draft or 
well, what, yeah. everyone's concerned about next year's draft, but I mean, it's 2025. So it's, it's, it's of no concern really, right? At this point. No, it's a year or two down the road. And depending on how Calgary swings, this is, could be, it could line up perfectly for him at that time, depending on where Florida is. We're assuming it's going to be later and later in the first round, probably. Yeah. Well, if they win, it's going to be 32nd, but we're looking at probably, I'm guessing the way the team is late, like mid to late twenties and early thirties is where they're hoping that pick will be. That's right. Yeah. I guess the thing is like on the surface it right away, it, it didn't look like a great trade, but you got to keep in mind, like you'd mentioned, Huberto and Weger, they're not signed. They're pending UFAs. Yeah. And, and so for Florida, it is a bit of cap juggling going on. Um, I think the other thing too is, is that for Matthew Kachuk and for Florida, they needed a bit more grit and sandpaper in their lineup come, come playoff time. Yeah. I oh, they got that now. Yeah. In, in droves. Um, I don't want to dive too much into it, Bruce, because we're going to talk about it in the mailbag segment as well. And I think we've got it in our news and notes as too. So we're just going to, uh, I thought Florida initially, just because we didn't have much else going on in the news, we tossed them <laughs> on the list and talk about it. Um, yeah. So we'll call it for John's list. That's good enough for now. Let's move on to headlines with the hacks, July 18th to the 25th. I want to make a note here. Left wing lock, actually, uh, Mike's draft kits are quickly approaching. So August 1st, they are available. Um, I don't have any details beyond that at this point, but we're going to talk to Mike and, and try and get you guys some more information. Bruce, I'm going to let you take over the news this week as you're supposed to be doing, which I hijacked <laughs> last week. So uh, we just got a few things here, but take it away, my friend. We're going to hack our way through the news. All right. Uh, started off, Nino Niederreiter started, started, signed a two-year contract with the Nashville Predators. $8 million for uh, $4 million of AAV on that contract. So last last season, he posted 24 goals, 44 points in 75 games. I think that's something Nashville needs. Some more secondary scoring. That's, that's going to yeah, be I, big for them. I think this helps. I mean, he's a guy that's going to, every year score you 20 to 25 goals. He's not going to put up a ton of points and he's not really a, a gritty type of player, but uh, yeah, some secondary scoring help, right? Oh, make up for the loss of Arvidsson from two seasons ago and try and take some pressure off of Forsberg and Yossi who have been basically the, I don't know, between the two of them, didn't they? They were in on practically everything they scored. So, well, and Duchesne as well. And, and Duchesne, yeah, but we, and between all those guys and Johansson, like, or Johansson, um, there's going to be a lot of regression on that Nashville Predators team next year. Like, yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. I I can't see Yossi and Forsberg putting up the same numbers. I can't. Duchesne and Johansson definitely are not. Yeah, yeah, they, no. yeah. They need they need some to fill in the gap. Sorry, fill in the gaps. Granlin hasn't been hasn't been great for them since they traded for him. Hopefully, he can maybe step up a little bit this year. And uh, yeah, you can never have too much scoring on your team. Never. Yeah, that's right. Which moves on to our next one. They're hope Pittsburgh is hoping that uh, Kasperi Kapanen, who just signed a two-year contract extension with a $3.2 million AAV, can uh, pick up his game a bit. He just had 32 points last season, 11 goals, and 79 games played. They need some more out of this young guy for... Yeah, for he, he's a guy that good. just leaves you wanting more, like from a fantasy perspective and from a real hockey perspective, because I... He's a guy you'll go to to stream for a game or two, maybe based on yeah. the schedule, and there's really not much there usually. So no, uh, I think uh, well, I think they traded for Raquel, and Raquel kind of took his spot on the line with Malkin, which is where they originally had him. So it'll be interesting to see where he uh, where he lines up here in the season. Yeah, I, I like 
some of the stuff the Penguins have done here in the offseason, and we'll kind of get to that. You'll, that'll be apparent in some of my uh, discussion in, in the mailbag here right. later. All right, moving on. Pierre-Luc Dubois signed his qualifying offer with the Winnipeg Jets, one year, $6 million. Dubois posted 60 points, 28 goals for Jets in, in for the Jets, sorry, in 81 games last season. I was actually reading today uh, a little bit. Uh, Dubois did an, did an interview and kind of addressed a whole bunch of stuff that was rumbling through the news. And he said, like, there's it's much to do about nothing. He says, I'm happy to play for the Jets. He says, <laughs> I like this one comment. Because um, they asked him why he was at the draft. He goes, I live 15 minutes away. <laughs> why wouldn't I come <laughs> to the draft, right? Plus, one of the bet he's got, I guess he is, uh, oh, God. Just had a just brain just went blank. So, one of his, I don't say sponsor, but his bank asked him to come. They had a box there. Oh, okay. Get, he said, it was free food and for the draft. Like, why wouldn't you go, right? Well, yeah. What else are you doing right now? And then they asked him what long term he goes, I don't even know what I'm having your lunch tomorrow. And you want me to tell you what I'm <laughs> going to be in six years. Like, like it was just great quotes from him. It's like, guys, like if I wanted to be traded, I would have asked. And I never asked to be traded. That's I just we're taking it a year at a time right now, and we're gonna see where this goes. And I thought it was great because I, I like Dubois as a player. I really do. Yeah, you and Tyler, I think, are the the co-presidents of that fan club. Um, you I know, Tyler, I think what's that, Bruce? I think Tyler stole them from me after that trade we did there two two or three seasons ago that he wasn't a big fan of. There you go. I I just you know looking at the Jets, I think a lot of those players are just questioning what's that team going to look like in a year from now. Like they've got some really good pieces, but no no one on that team seems to know the direction they're heading. Mark Shifley is one that's there's lots of sound bites from him saying like I just want to know where we're going. What's yeah you know and and nobody wants to commit long term because of it. So. Um, and we've heard lots, Bruce. I mean, it's all just rumors and speculation, but we've heard lots of just negative things about that dressing room in general. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that guys don't want to commit long-term at this point, but one jet leads into a former jet. Yes. Patrick Lyonnais signed a four year, $38 million contract extension with the Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, 82 game pace of 38 goals and 82 points last season for Lyonnais. That's as big for Columbus. They've got... Goudreau, they've got Lyonne. They just need someone between them now. I'm guessing it's probably going to be oh, Boone Jenner, Kent Johnson. I'm not sure who they're going to put between them, but if they can find some chemistry. That's going to be a fun line to watch play. Yeah, I, I think, well, Patrick Lyonne was quoted saying he's he's incredibly excited. Like, he's never played with a player like Johnny Goudreau, in his opinion. that was Those are his words. Yeah, And so he was really excited when he heard the news. It's funny, like, they go from being a team that didn't think they were going to going to retain Patrick Line and who knew where that, that team was going to all of a sudden they've got Line, they've got Goudreau um, they've got some good young talent coming the, the defense looks pretty good uh, Elvis Merzlikens is an up and coming goaltender so th- there's some good things brewing there in Columbus I'm actually curious to see how things work That, like you said the, the center depth kind of leaves you wanting a little bit but Boone Jenner I think actually has been a fairly serviceable centerman the last season or two well, last season he had a really good season, considering that there wasn't a whole lot going on for Columbus last year. There, uh, himself, like Lyonnais, was having a good time until he got hurt. Yeah, like, they they were making some noise there. Like they're showing that these guys aren't going to go out without a fight. Like, there was some there was some good punch there. So hopefully it continues. But of course, the next thing here being some cap casualties, right? Yeah, the fallout of signing Lyonnais is. 
they put blue jackets over the cap so somebody had to go and unfortunately for Oliver Borkstrand it was him he was traded to the uh, Seattle Kraken for a third and a fourth round pick in the 2023 draft so Borkstrand is oh I know like this is yeah like I love this for Seattle yeah like so he's got four seasons left on a five-year 27 million dollar contract so 5.4 million a season roughly he's been playing at roughly a pace of 30 goals and 61 assists on average for the past three seasons so he gets on power play one wow that could be that could be some fun in in seattle they'll get the they get some scoring which they've badly needed i'm just gonna pull it up here I, i can't remember um where he went last year in fantasy hockey drafts I want to say it was around 140. Yeah, uh, they're yeah. going to line up nice, nice, right? So they're going to have, they've got uh, Matthew Beniers, Shane Wright down the center. You got Burakowski, Borkstrand. You got Gord can now start doing, he can go back to his third line heavy lifting spot that he traditionally yep. did for Tampa. You still got Jordan Eberle there. You got Eberle, you got Schwartz. Like you've got some, you've got some depth there now. So, and a big decor, right? Yeah. So like you, you need that in the playoffs. And they've got some big defensemen, uh, Alexiak. They've got Larson. Yeah. Um, Vince Dunn looks like he might be capable of handling power play duties. Yeah. And, and they've got more goaltenders than they need right now. So, well, yeah, because they went out and they signed Martin Jones because uh, why not? Yeah. Well, Drieger's <laughs> out till whenever, right. right? Because he right. blowed his knee at the World Championships there, so they yeah. needed a backup. So they've got. They've got him. Yeah, like Seattle could be as a... <laughs> yeah. I'm just looking at Bjork... Sorry, Bruce. I'm just looking at Borkstrand's uh, ADP here. I'd, I'd say, like, without seeing some some mock drafts here, he probably goes in rounds, like, 10 through 14, somewhere in that range for next season, depending on how yeah. deep your league is. Um, but I, I do think he's going to get power play one deployment and and top six or top line minutes. Oh, I think so. I, I would think so. You'd have to. Yeah. And he's not, he's 27 too. He's. And he's not a big name, right? He's not, he's not a big name and he's in kind of a a relatively new market in Seattle. So I think for a lot of leagues, he's probably going to be a a mid or a late round steal. Oh, definitely. Cause you get to, you get some chemistry with a couple of these guys here though. They'll go like crazy. It'll be great. It's going to be fun to watch. It will. I, I really like their center depth. Like they are set now for the next, you know, decade basically. Well, yeah, you're you're basically your top two sentiment are still teenagers. Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like you said, they're they're set for ten years, barring like a catastrophic injury. That they're set. Like that's yeah. that's fantastic for them. All right, last fantastic. bit of news here, Bruce. What else we got? Oh, look, Matthew Kachuk got traded. Gee, oh, gee, <laughs> we never heard that one before. We haven't heard that one yet. So yeah, <laughs> so we covered that one off already. Uh, the neat thing about this this whole thing was, and I didn't realize this till the next day, is this was the first sign and trade in the NHL in the salary cap era. So he actually signed with Calgary, and then Calgary signed traded him and his contract to Florida. Okay. So he didn't sign the contract with Florida. He signed it with Calgary, and then Calgary traded him to Florida. I did see Andy Strickland report something to that effect earlier uh, this week. So, yeah, that's neat. That's, I mean... Aside from being a blockbuster trade, why wouldn't it just be the first sign and trade in the cap, Air Bruce? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. 
Okay, well, we're gonna we're gonna that's gonna lead us into our first point in the uh, mailbag segment. But before we get to that, we got to tell our listeners as a member of the Hockey Podcast Network, the Fantasy Hockey Hacks Podcast is a proud partner of DraftKings. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook officially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right, make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN, only a DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services are available. We'll have all of that information available in our show notes. And with that, Bruce... Let's move on to our off-season mailbag here, um, starting with the Kachuk trade. So I've kind of got my thoughts on this. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Let's start off with Matthew Kachuk. I think on the surface, he's going to get a bit of a fantasy bump here, right? If Assuming he plays with Alexander Barkov. I think that's like, are you going to argue that Barkov's, he has to be considered a better center than, than Elias Lindholm, with all due respect? I would say, I would say, although... I think they were both up for the Selkie this year, were they not? They're, they're both phenomenal centers. I, I'm, yeah. you know, comparing one to the other, I would probably still take Barkoff if I'm picking a player for my team. Right. But yeah, it's, I think for Kachuk, his, oh, if his ADP wasn't high enough, high, high enough already, he's going to go higher. He, he is. And actually, one thing I'd mentioned, I just, I put a, a reel out, you know, over the weekend too, just saying, I think we just witnessed Kachuk's career season like I I don't believe that he's going to post better numbers than what we saw this year Um, his individual shooting percentage Bruce is ish was 16.6 percent this past season his career numbers are 13.5 percent so that was up Um, his Tevish as you like to call it 12.5 percent you know he's been around nine percent the last three years his shot volume was up this year versus his career like 3.1 shots on goal per game versus 2.6 so there's some things there that to me just indicate that some regression's coming. And then generally when teams switch or players switch teams, there's an adjustment period, right? Whether it takes him a couple yeah. months or the whole season, we don't really know how he's going to do in Florida. And then the other thing too, it's a tougher division versus what we see, we've seen in the Pacific. It's a tougher division. And I think what you're going to see too, because Florida is a much more balanced team than what Calgary is. He's not going to get the same minutes on ice either as he saw in Calgary. They're not going to ride him for 25 plus minutes. He's probably going to be under 20. Yeah, I would agree with that. Because they're, they're going to roll. They've got three lines that can put the puck in the net. Almost four lines that can do it. Yeah. He's not going to get the t- he's going to he's not going to get the time on ice to do what he did in Calgary. I think he'll still get that power play one deployment, right? Like he oh, might play so he'll play yeah. net front on the power play most likely. Yeah. Um but I just, you know, there's a couple of things that to me, I think Florida, like they, they were the, the top offensive team in the NHL last year. So they have that. They did lose some depth, right, this offseason. But um, I, I think he gets a small bump, if anything. But I do, like I said, expect some regression from him next season. Yeah, I, I would agree. All right, uh, Jonathan Huberto. So what was your take on this for his fantasy value, Bruce? Like what was your knee-jerk reaction? I think it's going to drop. I don't know by how much. Again, this could... 
I'm thinking this was probably going to be his career. This was Huberto's story career season. I don't think he's going to replicate that next to Elias Lindholm and probably Andrew Mangiapane. Or Tyler likely. DeFoley, right? Tyler DeFoley. I don't think he's going to replicate that. Although I did hear, uh, or I did read some reports that he was not very happy with the way things finished off there with Florida. So he could just decide to, I'm PO'd and I'm going to make an example out of the Florida Panthers and he's going to go out and he's going to obliterate 115 points. So, but on paper, I think you're looking at team line mates. I, I don't think he repeats his perform his points performance that he did this past season, but also he's motivated. He's very much motivated. It's going to be a career season or career season. Sorry. It's a contract season for him. So he yeah, could be I mean, very motivated and he could easily, he could easily do this all over again. That well, and to the same point I made with Matthew Kachuk going from an easier division to a harder division. Now Huberto has gone from facing guys like Andre Vasilevsky and, you know, Jeremy Swayman, guys like that um, to now facing, so definitely some lesser goaltenders in the Pacific Division, some lesser competition, yeah. right? So oh, he's got that going for him. But yeah, I, I think when I looked at his numbers here too, Bruce, 1.44 points per game was by far the highest of his career to date. Like he's been averaging somewhere around 1.12. Mm-hmm. Um, and then his secondary assist rate per 60, like it was 0.82 was, was well above what we had seen from him the previous two seasons. So there's lots of indications there too that suggest he's, he's going to take a step back. Um regardless of line mates. I just don't think he's going to put up the same numbers. Yeah, oh, I would agree. And then Mackenzie Weger, I, I think, is a bit of an interesting case. Um, I wanted to say right away that his fantasy stock takes a hit just based on his line mates and, uh, you know, but looking at it, I'm, I'm just going to reserve judgment because I don't know how he's going to get deployed in Calgary. If he gets power play one time, because they don't really have a, a power play D-man like they've been using... No either Hannafin or Rasmus Anderson. Anderson. And neither one of them has blown the doors off to be a great power play quarterback, right? And Yeah. You look at Uyghur, he was playing behind Ekblad, so that's... now well, that he's And with a, him on the top pairing too, right? Yeah. So now he has a chance coming here. He could steal power play one and, yeah, look out. Like if we saw the way he was doing points at a, on five on five, if he can now add some power play points on top of that, he all of a sudden could be a very valuable defender in fantasy. Yeah, no question. And looking at, again, some of his numbers here, his shooting percentage was down. So he was at 3.9% last season. His career number is 5.2%. Uh, his shot volume was up at two and a half shots on goal per game. He also, he hits over two two hits a game. So he's providing some value that way in in, uh, in category leagues. So definitely, I, I, I think there's lots to like with that player. Um I'm not going to suggest that his fantasy value is going up moving to the the, the Calgary Flames, but it, it certainly could if he gets that the, the correct deployment. If he gets the opportunity, absolutely it could go up. No doubt about it. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, the next question we had here was from one of our listeners on Twitter. He said, now in my keeper league, I have Jonathan Huberto and Elias Lindholm. Is this a good thing or not? Uh, I don't think it's a bad thing by any means. I, I think it's funny that... He goes, you know, Elias Lindholm gets 115-point winger for another 115-point winger. So (laughs) I don't think it makes much difference to Lindholm. Um, No. Like I said, I think there is some regression coming for Huberto. I expect him to be somewhere around 92 points, somewhere in that range in the low 90s. Um, But is it a bad thing in your mind, Bruce, to have Huberto and Lindholm? 
No, you, you just went from one fifth of the flames power play to two fifths of the play flames. Say that fast three times. <laughs> one fifth of the flames power play to two fifths of the flames power play. So that's never a bad thing. It's nice having those stacks in fantasy. And I think too, Huberto is he kind of went from being, you know, the the second or maybe the third best player on that team to now like unquestionably he's he's the best player on the Calgary Flames. And yeah, and another way to look at this too, like in Florida, it's kind of, well, who's Jonathan Huberto, right? Like, for the longest time, it's like, who is this guy, right? Yeah. Being out west now, we're going to see who Jonathan Huberto is. He's got a, he'll have a chance here to show, hey, here I am. I'm, <laughs> I'm 115 points, Jonathan Huberto, and I'm about to show you who I am. And he can make some waves here out, out west, absolutely. Well, and he may just love it. He may love the added attention yeah. and just different experience right i mean yeah battle and, of alberta yeah and both him and Uyghur said that they they are both open to re-signing in calgary They're like why wouldn't we like yep not going to close any doors because yeah you look at you know huberto is going to get the opportunity if Uyghur steps up on the defense and you can get power you can get that be that power play quarterback and get pp one time why wouldn't you like yeah, I, I, and I think Calgary's got some good pieces there. You know, for as much as us yeah. Oilers fans maybe hate to admit it, but, you know, Markstrom's a hell of a goaltender. Um, yep. You know, they, they've got a, a good defense, um, and they've got lots of good players. They don't have a, you know, a generational talent like McDavid, but they've got a lot of good pieces on offense. They sure do. So I, I actually did, like, I felt bad for Flames fans, just the way the whole thing shook down losing Goudreau and, and Kachuk and so I think they can all feel a little bit better at least knowing that they have a shot at re-signing Huberto uh, for next season and two if the Flames decide to go a different direction here at the end of the season so if the season doesn't go well for them and they decide well you know what maybe we don't want to sign these two guys long term but they're having good seasons you look at the contracts those two are on you flip those guys at the deadline for a boatload of stuff like I don't like when you look at it from that standpoint the trade's a win-win for Calgary. Yeah. Like it's you look at all everything they got for Kachuk, like, yeah, they lost control for nothing, but the way Florida backed up the truck, it really doesn't feel that bad anymore when you look <laughs> what you all got and could possibly get for these two guys. If these guys come back and almost have career seasons close to the deadline, and Calgary decides, well, if they're out of the playoffs and decide, well, okay, we're not gonna try signing these guys to long term, like yeah, they could. There will be teams that will back up the truck because both Huberto and Uyghur's contracts, when you get to the trade deadline, there's not a whole lot left there. Like Huberto yeah. is just under $6 million a season. It's like when you get the trade deadline time, lots there will be lots of contenders that can slide that number into their cap. Oh, absolutely. And who wouldn't want that guy as a trade deadline acquisition? <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on just slightly. We're still going to talk about Huberto, but the next question here is pick one player to keep, Nathan McKinnon, Jonathan Huberto, or Alexander Barkov. Categories include hits, shots on goals, blocks, plus minus, goals, assists, and points. Uh, for me, it's Nathan McKinnon. I just, I like his, for a, for a keeper league, I like his situation the best of the three. Um, you know, Colorado, even without Kadri. Still an elite offensive team. Makar, Laniskog, Rantanen, and Nishushkin all locked up until at least 2025-2026. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I, I would pick Nathan McKinnon out of that group too. Alrighty. Uh, next up here, Mark Lazarus posted some information. And Bruce, you and I have talked about this a little bit off air. Um, 
he posted some info from an online sports book setting odds on destinations for Patrick Kane this offseason. The Edmonton Oilers lead that list at plus 300. The question being, should the Oilers be in on Kane, and what would the trade look like? Also, how many points could you see Kane producing with the Oilers? Well, the Blackhawks would have to retain like 99% of his salary. It's the only way that would work. Because <laughs> there is there is $64,000 in cap spaces all the Oilers have right now, if I remember correctly. It's like next to $68,667 in cap space. That's all wow. the Oilers have left. They are tight. They're right against it. Well, but, let's let's assume they can make the the cap gymnastics work, Bruce. What are you what are you moving out, or what would you think would make sense? I mean, obviously, it's going to be a couple prospects, probably a first round draft pick, yeah, um, and then somebody with some salary. So that's that's the real issue. Is I don't know how much, or or who's gonna who's gonna be on their way out that you could make that work. I guess if they retained half his salary, and then if you traded a guy like like Fogel or Puliarvi, like one one trade proposal that I saw was Puliarvi. Xavier Borgo, a first-round pick, and also Dmitry Samarukov. Now, are, are, I think you and I talked about this, Bruce, but would you do that um, for one, like basically half a season of Patrick Kane? Oh, boy. Keeping in mind that first-round pick is probably a 25 through 32nd overall pick. Yeah. Yikes. Uh, I guess the big thing for me would be losing Borgo. It's Oilers sure. need forwards. They've got a lot like Samarukov, that's fine. Oilers have lots of good lots of good defensemen in the pipe, but the thing they don't have is forwards. They don't have a lot of good forwards in the pipe. If you could hang on to Burgo and trade someone like Warren Fogel with it, as opposed to Burgo, sure. I would do it. Cause man, that uh, that top six would be well. Yikes, that top six would be really nice. <laughs> like, I, I'd be tempted to do it. I think for like for a chance to do it um, for one season. The only thing, like you said, yeah, you don't want to lose Borgo. Um, and even probably more so, I think the Oilers just need to, to improve their defense a little more than they need an extra an extra top six winger, right? Like Yeah. So that'd be my take on it. But yeah, I'd I'd love to see that'd be fun. Hey, Kane, McDavid Kane. Oh yeah, because you could you could then run you could run McDavid, Drysaddle, and Nuge as your basically your three centers. Yeah, and then Ryan McLeod could be your fourth line center. Although he seems to be well suited to playing the third line center role, but he could move him down to the fourth line and have him do that or mix and match. You get Nuge somewhere around on the wing. You could if you had lots of options. Lots of options. It, it'd just be yeah. They they'd probably be able to outscore their 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 troubles like. The Colorado Avalanche did this past year. Like Colorado did, absolutely. Yeah. That seems to be a trendy thing right now. Just ask the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, no doubt, <laughs> right? <laughs> All right, next question here. Thoughts on Dougie Hamilton going into next year? Horrendous end to last year. Uh, maybe pushes down his ADP. NHL.com recently released rankings that have him ranked at 121. I think he's going to be better next year, Bruce. Um He's never shot below 5%. He was at 4.6% in his first year in New Jersey. His average or his career average, excuse me, is 6.1%. He only played two and a half minutes on the power play. That's the lowest of his career. Uh, I think if he gets power play one deployment back and we see some regression in his shooting percentage, uh, I think he'll be fine. But, I mean, at around 121, that's somewhere in the 10th or 11th round. 
Oh God, if he's still available there, go get him. Yeah. Go get him if he's still available. That, Absolutely. That will be a steal because there is really nobody in that defensive lineup that is going to steal. Well, I guess maybe Severson could possibly steal some power play time away from him. But the other person they thought was going to, they traded to Pittsburgh. Yeah, that was that's right. Smith. Yeah. So Severson's really the only one that could possibly cut into power play one time. And I, I think, I don't know. Well, never read anything, but just my thing is I don't know if Hamilton was entirely healed when he came back last season too. And I think the reason why they left him off power play one was just to control his minutes a bit more than what to, than what they had before his injury. I think he'll be he'll be back on power play one and he'll be hammering the puck like he was before. I think he'll he'll return to form very quickly. So if he's available in the tenth round, that will be your steal. Yeah, I think like some of those high-end power play defensemen, they typically go in rounds, say, 6 through 10, right? Like that's yeah. kind of where the, the run on defensemen usually seems to occur. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't hesitate to reach for him somewhere in that range either, depending on what kind of forwards I picked up first in my league settings. Uh, one thing I was looking at too, Bruce, like his first year in Carolina, he also had a down year, 39 points in 82 games. Yeah. Um, when he went from... Boston to Calgary, his rate dropped off a little bit too. And then his first year in New Jersey dropped off as well. So, I mean, this could be a case of just a guy adjusting to, to new settings, new teammates, new coach, all that kind of stuff. And, and then you toss in an injury and yeah, that really hampers things. So I think we're going to see a much better season. I'm, I'm actually excited to see what he can do next year. And if that roster can stay healthy, uh, they could be a lot of fun to watch actually. Well, you look at it, they picked up Vanacek in goal. Hopefully it'll help Blackwood and, actually stopped some pucks this year. Brad had a great season for them. If Hughes can stay healthy, you got Heischer, they signed Palat. If Thomas Tatar can get back to back to form, Sharon Govich, like there's got Dawson I, I, Mercer, like there's yeah. lots of Jesper Brat. Did you mention Jesper Brat? Yes. Yeah, I, I think Palat's gonna be a very calming influence in that top six. Just having a bit of an older guy that's been through pretty much everything. Bring some experience, right? Calm some of these young guys down and yep. just show them the little the little things that they need to do and yeah, they'll be they'll be just fine. I, I want to see a full eighty two games of Jack Hughes. Like I want to see that guy healthy and see what he can do. We all want to see eighty two games of Jack Hughes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what we all need that. Hockey needs that. Absolutely. For sure. All right, Bruce, let's talk about goalies. Someone just floated the idea. How would you rank the goalies as things stand now? Uh, these are not goaltender by goaltender rankings necessarily. I've kind of put them into tiers. Bruce, you let me know when or if you disagree. But I mean, in my mind, tier one elite or franchise goaltenders, you've got Andre Vasilevsky and Igor Shosturkin. I know forever Vasilevsky was kind of in a tier of his own. But after what we saw from Shosturkin last year, I think he's right there yeah. with them. Absolutely. And one one to watch on this list, possibly not this year, but possibly in a season or two to come forward. That'd be a uh, number six on your list there. Jake Ottinger. Oh yes. That's you're the newest member of that fan club as well, Bruce. If he can <laughs> replicate what he did in the playoffs against Calgary into the regular season and be able to do that consistently, he will be the third one in that list in very short order because what he did in Calgary there, that was magical. It was Pretty remarkable, yeah, no question. Absolutely. So, yeah, we've got Vasilevsky, Shosturkin, and then in Tier 2, we've got all-star goaltenders, starting with Freddie Anderson, 
Uh, again, these are not in any particular order. I've just put them into tiers because I think the the difference between one goaltender to the next in, in this range is going to be pretty similar, right? So um, Anderson, Sorokin, Soros, Ottinger, Markstrom, Jack Campbell, Tristan Jari. I've actually got a number nine. I, I just really like what Pittsburgh did. I know Tyler does not agree with me, but I like the moves they made. I think they're going to be better this year. They're going to be motivated. It, it kind of has a last dance feel with, with Malkin and with Crosby and Latang. Yeah. Um, they're going to be pushing a win. And then I've got Connor Hellebuck at number 10, just because I think he's still a good volume option. There's just really nothing else in Winnipeg. So he's going to play a lot of games. Um, and then Thatcher Demko number 11 to close out that second tier. Yeah. Like I'm kind of like Tyler. I, I'm not sold on Tristan Jari. So I would, I'd have him in, <laughs> I'd have him in it right now. I'd have him in a tier in the next tier. In the, in the workhorse starter tier. Don't like the, well, it's yeah. I don't even know if I'd call him that, but it's the next tier. He's not a he's not a fr- he's not the he's not a tier four guy, but he's I don't see him as a tier two guy either. So I, I just based on last year's performance, I'd have to pull up his numbers again. But he was he was borderline a Vesna candidate last year, right? I think he was kind of in that top five or six. So yeah. um, I know I know everyone still has that memory of him giving up the puck in the playoffs and that beautiful pass right to yeah. the wrong guy. But that aside, he's actually been really good. So um, so tier number three, I've got Marc-Andre Fleury. And, and the reason I've got him in this tier, Bruce, is because I think Minnesota took a step back this year, just given that the, the buyouts are coming into effect for um, Suter and for Prize. Well, we're going we're gonna to find out how durable Fleury is this season because original plan was a 50-50, excuse me, 50-50 split with Talbot, and, and Talbot's gone, so... Yeah, in terms of goaltending, the, the while I think, and nothing that a slight Mark Andre Fleury, but I think that having Fleury and Talbot together would have been the perfect scenario. Yeah. Now they're going to have to ride Fleury harder, and I'm just hoping he can uh, he can hold together. Well, and I've I've got Cam. So speaking of Cam Talbot, I've got him in this tier as well, going to Ottawa. Um, I think he's going to, it's, it's not going to be a split with, uh, with Anton Forsberg. I've got Forsberg in the next tier below this, but, uh, Talbot could be a nice option later in drafts. I don't yep. know. You know, does he play, does he play 50 games next year? If he plays well, he definitely will. That's then, why they brought him in. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I've got Jordan Biddington here. I mean, assuming he returns to form, uh, you know, all too well, Bruce, he was pretty terrible last year in the regular season. Yeah. But he was he was lights out before he got hurt in the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. Right before Kadri ran him over. <laughs> so, <laughs> a bit of a gamble there with Bennington in this tier, I guess. But then I've got Bobrovsky, uh, Darcy Kemper at number fifteen for Washington, Alexander Gorgiev uh, at number sixteen. That that might be the only reason he's there in this tier for me, Bruce, is that Colorado Joe Sackett came out and said we acquired this guy with the intention of making him our starter. So. Yeah. If he is, in fact, the starter in Colorado next season, I think he's worthy of being in this tier. If he's splitting time, then, yeah, obviously he's going to be in the next tier, which um, we've called fringe starter slash tandem. So uh, that kind of remains to be seen. I've got Robin Leonard in this tier as well, Jonathan Quick and John Gibson at number 20. Yeah, Leonard, I love Robin Leonard as a goaltender, but his injury history scares the crap out of me. Oh, sure. Um yeah, I, I actually was listening to another podcast here. I think it was the Fantasy Hockey Life podcast. And 
uh, they had Jesse Granger on there, and he was talking about he he's a, a goaltender, I guess, and he said really he he believes strongly Robin Leonard's going to bounce back next season, and he has a lot of faith in the the Golden Knights as well. So I don't. I mean, personally, I, I'm just looking at what they did this off season. I don't have a lot of faith in that roster. Um, and then yes, I I would agree. Robin Leonard's injury history scares me as well. Like that's that's like there is no denying ta- his talent as Leonard's talent as a goaltender. It's just that he gets hurt. That's yeah. So fortunately for them, they've got Thompson as well. I think it's Thompson is the backup, or is it? Uh, they still have Brassois for another season, don't they? I believe they do, but um, I think it might have been that same podcast or it was thirty-two thoughts. Someone is saying that uh, Brassois might be out longer than uh, than Leonard because he has whatever injury he's dealing with. So oh, good thing they got Thompson then. Yeah. So the thing the thing is, it could be Thompson's net to start the season. And if Leonard comes back, say, around Christmas or maybe in January, whenever he's due to come back, um, I mean, he'll be the guy. They're going to push him hard probably down the stretch. But, yeah, you know, if you, if you can grab Leonard and have him sit on your bench or IR um, for the first yeah. couple months, probably a good gamble to take. Yeah. And Johnny Quick is turning back time. He is, yeah. Hopefully Father Time doesn't catch up with him because he's, he's due pretty soon for that. So... He's played a lot of minutes and a lot of hockey. He played fantastic for LA last year. Hopefully they can he can do that for them again this season. Well, I think they're gonna be they'll be on par or better than what they did last season. Like they they brought in Kevin Fiala. I really like the Fiala trade for the Kings. Yes. Um, you know, and and Dowdy's gonna be healthy coming into the season. Yeah. Sean Dersey st- took a step last year. So there's lots to like there. I think um he could be a nice pickup late later in drafts. And let's hope that the Anaheim does, does or dis, did or does something with their defense to help out John Gibson because love Gibson as a goalie, but you can only see so much rubber before you start having nightmares, and his nightmares usually start late November, early December, and that's when his everything just goes off a cliff because he's yeah. seen so much rubber, it's just like nightmares. Yeah, I mean, young team, they're they're rebuilding, right? Uh, I think Ryan Strom and, and Frank Vetrano kind of fills out their second line, so hopefully they're a yeah. little bit better. But in terms of defense, I don't think they've really done much there, have they? No, and they traded away Manson at the deadline. Yeah. Like they, they need some help on defense for if they want. Oh, yeah, you said like they're, they're young and they're rebuilding, but poor Gibson back there. He's been hung out to dry for like three seasons in a row now, and it's. Yeah. Well, and, man, and that's why I've got to be tough. That's why I've got him, Bruce, here as the very last slot in the workhorse starter t- or tier because he might be good for the first two months of the season, but when it comes to fantasy hockey playoffs, I don't think he can really be relied upon unless something changes there. No, unless they're uh, unless the Anaheim is in contention late late in the season. Yeah, he's they're gonna yeah. <laughs> okay, let's move on to the next one here. Tier number four: fringe starters and tandems. Uh, I've got Jeremy Swayman here because he is in that tandem with, um, yeah. oh boy, what's his name now? Totally just eluded me. Guy that we don't have in the list anywhere. <laughs> not even on the list, but he, sh- he should probably be in this tier as well. Uh, Jeremy Swayman's great. I just don't like that he's splitting time 50-50, right? And then... Um, here, I'll get you that name here in a second as soon as I remember how to spell Boston. Okay, thank you. Uh, Ilya Samsonov, I've got him here for Toronto. Uh, Varlamov, Anton Forsberg, and Vili Huso rounds out that tier. For Linus Allmark. Thank you. Man, it's been a day. Um, <laughs> uh, Billy Huso. I, I actually like Huso a lot. I'm just not convinced that he's going to replicate the numbers that we saw from him in St. Louis 
uh, in Detroit. I mean, and Detroit did a lot of really good things in the offseason. I think their whole second line now, Bruce, like you've got to be a big fan of that line with uh, yes. Verona and Perron and uh, Lucas Raymond. Is that who, or not Lucas Raymond? Um, no, uh, they've got. Oh, boy. Perron. Oh, Prawn, Cop, and Ferrara. Oh, Cop, thank you. Yeah, so those are two big pickups there. I, I like that a lot for Detroit. They're going to be a lot tougher to play against. But one thing I like, so yeah, so Huso might not be able to replicate his numbers and stuff, but you look at Nedeljkovic and Huso, so they're 26 and 27 respectively, so they're still young in terms of goaltending. So they've got, these two guys can get back to roughly where they were before they were s- traded over. Yeah. Like Yazerman's going to look like a genius getting I, these two guys like yeah. These are two I I really like these guys as 0G options, Bruce. If if you're going Absolutely. for goaltenders late, yeah. these are great targets. I I really like these. Cuz this um, is going to be this is going to be a tandem. It's probably going to be a 50-50 split. Yeah. Unless unless one of them really does well and one of them really drops off. This is going to be a pretty much a 50-50 split. Yeah, give or take you know, 10 or 15%. Like I, I could see yeah. Huso getting a few more starts just because of what he did in St. Louis. Yeah. But they, like you said, they might just ride the hot goaltender too. So yeah, they could do that too. But yeah, this Detroit team is going to be, I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs, but they're going to be a lot harder to play against this year than they were last year. Well, they're, they're going to push for a playoff spot. The only thing is that division is really tight. Like it's very competitive. Really so who, who's coming out, right? If Detroit's going to make it, who's, is it Boston? Is it Toronto? Like who's not going to make it there? Well, probably the early candidate is Boston because half their team is on IR till Christmas. And and that was another reason for me having Jeremy Swayman in this kind of fringe starter tandem because Boston is not going to be very good for the first couple of months of the season. Well, then they could pull a St. Louis from go from January to playoffs on a torrid pace and then just... Yep. Yeah. Worst worst yeah. to first, Bruce. Yep. Literally worst to first that season. You know, I'm looking at Detroit's defense here, like Ben Sherratt and Mort Sider. That's a pretty damn good first pairing. Mm-hmm. And then Ali Mata and Philip Ronick, and I mean they've got some some younger guys here on on the third pairing. But I I there's lots to like on this Detroit team actually. There is. It's like I said, Eiserman has done some really good stuff with this roster. Well, now they got Dominic Kubalik as well, right on their third line. So between yeah. him and and Suter and Zadino, like that's there's lots to like there too. I yeah, um, we'll have to see where that goes. Uh, Forsberg, obviously, Ottawa. We all like what Ottawa did in the offseason here. I think he's going to get quite a few games as well. Yeah, Vitek Vanacek. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I think Forsberg is going to get a chance to to take that crease too. So if Talbot stumbles and, and Forsberg steps up, yep. he's going to they'll give him the they'll give him the net and let him run with it. And then the the final tier here, tier five. We've got backups and spot starters or streamers. Uh, this is just kind of the leftovers, Bruce. So we've got Vanacek here, Spencer Knight, Logan Thompson, Carter Hart, Pavel Francouz, Matt Murray, and Auntie Ranta. So again, Ranta can be a great spot starter in Carolina, but if Anderson's healthy, like he's going to be just that. He's going to get like 15 or 20 games. Yeah. Um, I do like Logan Thompson, like I said, so that could be somebody you pluck off the waiver wire, but I don't know that I'm going to draft him. Yeah. The only one I feel bad for on this, there's two two goalies in this last tier that I really feel for. Let me guess, Carter Hart? Carter Hart is one and Spencer Knight is the other one. Okay. Because Spencer Knight is only down this low because Bobrovsky is being paid $10 million a season. That's right. Yeah, and yes, absolutely, Bruce. That was my reasoning for having him this far down because he didn't play last year. 
he hardly played when Bobrovsky was hurt he came in and he played well while he was while Bobrovsky was hurt but when you're paying your goalie 10 million you, you can't put him on the bench you got to play him unless he's absolutely terrible yeah and Bob played well last year so yeah and yeah Hart I am really hoping that the team in front of him plays a lot better this season right Mike <laughs> As yeah, I feel crossed. for the kid. They they brought him up really young and they fed him to the wolves, literally. Like he deserves to have a lot better play in front of him because I really like him. That's why I keep drafting him year over year over year. You're you're just hoping to cash in, Bruce. One of these one of these seasons he's gonna hit and you're gonna be the guy that grabbed him in the eighteenth round of your draft. And again, he's a he's another great candidate for zero G. Like Yep, agreed. He's going to get the starts, but is how is Philadelphia going to come out? No one's going to draft him high based on what Philadelphia did last year. He'll probably be one of the last go, one of the few last goalies to go. And if you grab him and Philly actually does something this season, well, he's going to be one of your late round steals because all he needs is a team to play better in front of him. He's a great goalie. They just need to be, they just need to play better in front of him. This they hung him out to dry way too many times in the past three years. Yeah. Oh, we, okay. we missed my uh, we missed my Toronto Maple Leaf MVP for this season. Matt Murray. Samsonov. <laughs> oh, I talked about him briefly. Yeah, I, I think. Well, I'm with you, Bruce. I think he's going to he, get the opportunity to be the starter in Toronto. He is going to be, the, and I'm going to say this now, and I'm going to say this often until probably the start of the season. He is going to be the player that is going to save Kyle Dubas's job. Could be. It could, could be. And because if he has a bad season, there's going to be lots of heads rolling. <laughs> Dubas is going to be gone. And well, we won't even get started on the lovely talk about Austin Matthews. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe a, little, a little later in the season before we really jump on that one too much. But well, we, yeah, we don't want to be like, uh, what's his name? Steve Simmons. Like, how much longer is Austin Matthews going to take this? Right. That's the, that's not the line, with, with, except for with Conor David. Part of that, and the other part is too. They looking at his two American counterparts in Calgary just did. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if there's going to be a mass exodus of American-born players, you know, leaving to go back to the U.S. I think this was a cert a certain exception with Goudreau and with Kachuk, right? Like, very, very likely because Matthew seems to seems and sounds like he's really happy in Toronto, and Toronto loves him. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I I would be very surprised actually if Matthews decided to pick up and leave. But crazier things have happened, I guess. <laughs> very much so, and it happened in Calgary this season. There you go. Or this off season. So that's uh, that's our that's kind of how we'd rank the goalies, I guess. Uh, Bruce, is anything? There's a couple there that kind of stuck out to you that you maybe you'd rearrange, but nothing crazy. No, no, no crazy changes. That looks looks about right. I'd be looking at Thatcher Demko is probably going to move up in this list as well. He could yeah. almost, depending on his play, he could almost make, he could almost play himself into tier one, two, depending on how this season goes for, for the Canucks. He was another one that played the last part, last half of the season. He was fantastic for Vancouver. Yeah. For me, it's just, it's the team in general. Like is JT Miller still going to get traded? What's yeah. Elias Patterson going to play like? Um, they've got, uh, Pedersons. There's two of Pet- them now. Pet- yeah, there are two of them now. That's right. <laughs> um, there, there's just some question marks there in Vancouver for me. So I, I don't. I didn't really feel comfortable putting him higher. Like he could be in the top ten, no question. But I'm just not sure where this team's going to go. And then Kuzmenko is a question mark. Connor Garland. Like, 
Yeah, I'm I'm just not totally sold on the Vancouver Canucks, but they've got they do have some good pieces too. So um, we'll just have to see. So if anyone wants to review the the list as it is, it's going to be on our website fantasyhockeyhacks.com on the blog post for this episode. Be sure to go check it out after. Uh, next question here. This is from uh, Binklemania uh, from Apples and Geno's midweek pod. So he had actually reached out via Reddit. Uh, where is the sweet spot when drafting Roman Yossi in a standard league? Uh, when does the value meet production for y'all? Love the stuff. Keep it coming. So I guess I said to guarantee Yossi on your roster in a standard 12-team league, you pretty much need to snap him up somewhere in the third round, which I, I personally am not going to reach for Yossi. I know Tyler probably would. Um, yeah. But like but looking yeah, at I, Yeah. Go ahead, Bruce. I was going to say it's... Yeah, and even... Even in some leagues, he may not even make the third round. A lot of people are going to see what he did last season, and they're going to pick him early. Yeah, I'm just looking at uh, like his average draft position in Yahoo last year was 58. Uh, ESPN, it was 36th. So like he's got yeah. an ADP of 47. Um, so yeah, you kind of have to third, snap him up in the third, third round. Fourth right? round. Yeah. If you want him. So depends on your draft strategy and your league settings and stuff. If you want to... If you want to take defenseman that early, I, for me, like he'd be one of the two guys or three guys you'd maybe want to do that with, like Kale McCarr being the other one, and then McCarr, Victor Edmund, Fox, yeah, Fox Edmund, like, so those are kind of guys you maybe consider doing it. But for me, if you can get him anywhere, uh, like in terms of like value pick, um, I'd say any any time in the fifth round or later, if he's still available, like you absolutely have to snap him up. Yeah, definitely. So, saying that, we talked about this a bit earlier, Bruce. Yossi's due for some regression. Same thing with Forsberg. Same thing with Duchesne. All these guys, their numbers were crazy last year. Um, they sure were. Yossi shot at 8.2%. His team's even strength shooting percentage with him on the ice was 9.7%. So those are above his career averages. And his 1.20 points per game, significantly higher than his previous career high of 0.94. So I expect a big step back from him next year. He's not going to be, in my opinion, not anywhere close to the 96 points he put up this past season. I don't know if he'll make 96, but he'll, his point totals will still be up there. I'm just looking at his, so his numbers here, his previous career high, Bruce, it looks like it was 65 points. Yeah. I was going to say low seventies is where I think you'll see him. Yeah. Like I, I, 96 was just outrageous. He won't be there again, but um, yeah, 65 to me makes sense. I think that's, that makes sense. Nice number. Yep. Okay. Uh, so there you go. Roman Yossi. This one's a bit longer. So which young defenseman will break out this season? I talked with this a couple times now over the past few weeks. Miro Heiskanen for me is a, he's a big target in fantasy hockey drafts next year. Um, yeah. With Klingberg out of town, I think he's got a real opportunity to do something special this year. And also again, looking at the numbers, his individual shooting percentage, just 3.2% last year. His career average is 5.3%. And probably a really interesting point here for me anyway is Peter DeBoer. He's infamous for running his power play, Bruce, from the point, trying yes. to get shots through traffic, looking for tips, looking for rebounds. Um, so I, I can see Miro Heiskanen working really well with Joe Pavelski and, and maybe picking up some some primary assists on the power play and just an even strength. So um, I, I think Miro Heiskanen is due for a big season uh, coming up here. Well, hopefully he does better with the power play in Dallas than he did in Vegas. 
uh, we can only hope. Because <laughs> <laughs> he had some nice talent there, too, and that power play didn't do very much. No, and it, lots of people have criticized him for that scheme, too. It's kind of an older way of running the power play, right? I mean, it's it's guys aren't dropping bombs from the point anymore. They're kind of they're running things from the half wall, right? It's, it's a different look. Oh, because when you're everyone knows you're going to shoot from the point, well, you, the wingers are going to just lay down in front and block shots. So you gotta you gotta make everybody move. Yeah, like if you watch Colorado's power play, you watch Washington's power play. Edmonton's power play. T- oh, Edmonton's not so much. Edmonton's still at times will get stationary. Colorado's and Washington is is just constant movement. Everybody is always moving. Yep. Where Edmonton will start. And then all of a sudden, it'll just stop moving, and then they'll just start passing. You know what that is, though? I think a lot of that is Dreisaitl, because he likes to slow the game down sometimes. See, I've noticed that too, Bruce, when you're watching their power play, they'll zip it around, and, and McDavid, he'll be cycling the puck in the zone, and he'll drop it off to Dreisaitl, and Dreisaitl will kind of slow up the game a bit, and then he's kind of looking for those seam passes. Yeah, And, and they've got a lot of set plays to use too, but anyway, um, yeah, valid point by you, Bruce. <laughs> Good segue, though, into our, our next one. Yeah, uh, Evan Bouchard. I think he's going to be a, a breakout candidate next year. Like, we already saw him kind of break out last year. He had 43 points uh, and 12 goals in 81 games played, but he had just a minute 20 on the power play, Bruce. He needs more time on there. More time. And, and I think he's going to get it, right? I mean, it's like, I think they've already t- determined that Tyson Berry's going to have to kind of take a back seat to, to Evan Bouchard as they move along here. I, I think so. You look at the way Bouchard played last year on the power play at the end of the season and even a bit there in the playoffs. I think you got to give him the give him the puck and let him and let him run with it at the beginning of the season. And if it doesn't go well, well, you can always revert back to Barry or Nurse for that matter. Like you've got three guys there that can run it. But yeah, I think it's time to give Bouchard his due and give him a chance on that top power play and see what he can actually do with it. Yeah, and I, I, assuming he gets that deployment, I think 15 goals and 55 points is well within reach for him. He, he may even exceed that if all goes well. But um, Yeah, if he can stay on power play one all season, he'll exceed that. Yeah. All right, next guy up here, Jake Sanderson from Ottawa. Like I've mentioned once or twice here, everyone's been talking about the Ottawa Senators and all the good things they've done. Uh, Sanderson was the fifth overall pick in 2020. He's going to make his NHL debut here. He had 26 points and eight goals in 23 games for the NCAA University of North Dakota this past season. Uh, the Dauber Prospect Report mentioned him. His comparable is Alex Petrangelo, was sort of the upside comparable. So That's a nice comparable. Absolutely. And I was reading earlier in The Athletic, the, the staff picks, they actually had Jake Sanderson as a contender for the Calder this season. Wow. Wow. So, yeah, lot, lots of upside with uh, with Jake Sanderson. I, he's a guy that I'd take a look at. Probably a late-round pick. Um, yeah. A bit of a gamble for sure. Uh, Bowen Byram, we saw some good things from him. He finally was – he stayed healthy enough, Bruce, to, to put up some points here. Uh, he played an 82-game 82, 82 pace of 14 goals and 46 points. I hope he can stay healthy because, yeah, you, even we watch him, in the, watch him in the playoffs there, just they've got some great defensemen there. Him, Gerard, McCarr, oh boy. Like it just <laughs> and they, and fun they, to watch. They won the cup without Gerard. Like, I mean, so yeah. and and Devontae's. We didn't even mention Devontae's. Like Devontae's so, too. Like that yeah. they've got some they got an amazing decor there. They can hold those guys together. Like you said, they're Colorado's gonna be tough for a long time. A long time. 
I'm still curious to find out what happens with Nazem Kadri. Like, I wonder if they're going to try and clear out some cap space, and and maybe Gerard is a, a casualty. Um, like, it would make sense to me that you move out Gerard and maybe give Bowen Byram some more minutes and try and bring back Nazem Kadri. Or else, who's going to play second line center? It's probably JT Comfer. Yeah, in uh, in a short span there, I thought Comfer did pretty did pretty well in that spot in the playoffs there, but. Yeah, it's would they like to have Kadri back? Absolutely, but can they can they all can they make it all work? Because they got to re-sign McKinnon next year. That could be a little rough. Could be tricky. I think McKinnon's prepared to take less money. I'm just not sure how much less. Yeah. Well, he did once already, right? To, to sign. Yeah. So. Well, he got one cup. He's probably wanting two or three more. So. Oh, if they can sign him to a, a nice, nice extension, they're going to be in contention for a long time. All right, we got two more defensemen here I wanted to mention, Bruce. One being Mikhail Sergachev. Um, with Ryan McDonough being sent to Nashville, I think uh, I think Sergachev is going to step up for for Tampa this year. His three year average, eighty two game pace, is forty one points and eight goals. But he, in categories leagues, he's produced nearly two hits per game and one point five blocks per game this past season. So I like him for next year as kind of a maybe he's my fourth or fifth defenseman in fantasy. Yep. I I can definitely see that. Yeah, it's uh, it's nice to see uh, one Montreal draft pick replaced by another Montreal draft pick. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, Sergachev is rounding into a fantastic defenseman, right? Well, when you got Victor Hedman as a mentor, what what could you say, right? Oh but, yeah, yeah. Fantasy wise, he I think, oh, you'll probably see him get. You'll see in Hedman next few seasons where one's going up and one's trending down. Right. Eventually, right? But it's a fantastic one two punch to have Hedman and Sergachev. It's it's been great. Okay, and then the last defenseman here, Jamie Drysdale from Anaheim. So in 2020-2021, he shot 10.7%. He scored three goals in just 24 games. And then last year, he shot at 2.9%, had four goals in 81 games all season long. So Definitely a step back last year, but I think if his if his individual shooting percentage, Bruce, settles somewhere in around five or six percent, uh, we could see eight to ten goals and around forty or forty five points from uh, Drysdale if all goes well next year. Oh, it's tough to score points when you're getting caved in defensively game after game after game. So that's that's something Anaheim has to work on. Once they can get that, yeah, Drysdale is going to be a fantastic defenseman for them. Yeah. All right, and then we got a couple quick hitters here, Bruce, because we're already over an hour here. So <laughs> which developing or rebuilding team wins a championship first? Anaheim, Arizona, Buffalo, Chicago, Detroit, Los Angeles, Montreal, New Jersey, Seattle, or the Sabres? I'd bet on L.A. or Detroit. Andrew? Yeah, I, I'd be the same way. I would say L.A. or Detroit. I think L.A. is a little closer than Detroit, but I don't count out Stevie Y, but L.A. is uh, – they've done some – their team took some real steps here last season and they're going to they're going to do it again this year too. I totally agree. LA or, LA or Detroit and then Seattle's roster actually too I said is rounding into form nicely. I like I mentioned earlier I like their center depth. I like their D. Uh the goaltending is kind of iffy like but it, you know down the road I think they could be a good like they're going to contend for a playoff spot and they're going to push, right? So uh Burakovsky's well, a nice got, addition. Yeah. Bjorkstrand's a nice addition. Seattle's got some scoring punch, and they're going to be tougher to play against. They were tough to play against already, but they will be tougher to play against now, too. Now they got some more scoring punch. 
And hopefully Grubauer can rebound a little bit, have a better season than last year. Yep. Oh, it's all trending up for them. And then just as a follow-up or sort of a yeah similar question here, we've got, do you believe the Seattle Kraken will win a Stanley Cup before the Vegas Golden Knights? Yes. Hot take from Bruce. You heard, you heard it here first. <laughs> Vegas is a freaking disaster. Like, it was neat to see them all doing that wheeling and dealing after the, the first season, but now they have basically screwed themselves. And now they literally, I think they have to... Ter- was it... <laughs> A terrible way of saying it, but I think they need to take it down to the studs and start over again because they're all they're wheeling and dealing. All it's got them is a big, well, a full salary cap, and what do they got to show for it? Nothing. Yeah, you got you got Eichel, you got Stone, you got Peter Angelo, you got Leonard, but what else do you have? There's well, yeah, and, and the thing is, Bruce, all those players, their star players are older players. Yeah, um, you know they're and they're expensive and they're all injury prone. Like Mark Stone and Robin Leonard can't stay healthy. And no, that's exactly it. Right. And Eichel can't do it by himself. No. Like, yeah. They still have Smith, Marcheseau and oh, Carlson. Yeah. But they showed last year, they couldn't, they couldn't carry the load last year. So maybe it's a little better this year, but I, I don't know. I, I think they're a bubble team on the playoffs this year. And that's if Leonard can be healthy. Yeah, if, if, if they did have a lot of man games lost injury last year, so I think that's going to be a little different for them this season. Hopefully, knock on wood. Um, if they're healthy, I agree. They're they're a they're a bubble team or a playoff team. Uh, but I I like Seattle's long term potential way more. Obviously, I think they've done it. Yeah. They've done a nicer job of accumulating and keeping some talent. I mean, Vegas would have had some really nice players. Nick Suzuki, right? I mean, Suzuki Tuck is around. Played, Tuck, yeah. Like, like you look at those guys. Yeah, they've just, lost. They've lost some really good players the past couple of years. They uh they mortgaged their future to try and win now, and it blew up epically in their face. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I'm not prepared to necessarily say Seattle will win it before them because Vegas is pretty aggressive. I I don't know. They they may try to just make some more changes again, right? They seem to always do that. But that aggressiveness, but, I think, is what is why they're in the trouble they're in right now. And I was going to say it's a double-edged sword, right? Because now yeah. a lot of players don't they don't want to go to Vegas because they've been so aggressive. Exactly right. If you don't go to Vegas and you don't get a no, well, but two, you look at what happened. I guess the difference is is when you win and when you don't win, right? You look at what's happening in Tampa and you look at what's happening in Vegas. Yeah, they basically told McDonough, "Well, if you don't take this trade, we're going to put you on waivers." Like, yeah, yeah. So when you're winning, you can do stuff like that, and oh, you know, that's that's a tough decision. They have to make it right. In Vegas, they didn't make the playoffs, and it's like, oh yeah, we're gonna ship Patcheretti and one of our better players away because well, we don't have any cap space. It's like because we did this last season and it blew up on our face, and it's like, so yeah, everyone's burying on Vegas, and I'm quite happy to pile on because <laughs> in the first season I was all for it, and then when they started trading, uh, well, I didn't like the Nate Schmidt trade. I didn't like. Thing, the way they treated Flurry, I just yeah. I didn't like that at all. So I I have no trouble saying that I hope Seattle wins a, a cup before them. I, oh, I, I'm with you, Bruce. I've never been on the Vegas bandwagon. I I, I hated the whole thing. I thought like an expansion team should not come in and be in the Cup final the first year. Like that drove me crazy. Um, no, it, but you have to admit though they did they did some pretty good things in that expansion draft to get what they did. But the problem is is they horribly managed it after they got it. They did, yeah. They managed it horribly. 
because someone right. really needs to get Che Theodore to score more because I love Theodore. I, um, I'm a Theodore fan too. Yeah. I loved they, him in Anaheim and I thought for sure in Vegas he'd get a chance. And then they went out and got Peter Angelo and he still did have a good season behind Peter Angelo, but I, I think they need to give Theodore more opportunity. Well, they need to make one guy the power play guy. Like yeah. stop, stop. Well, they need a power play. That's the first problem. They need yes. a power play. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Hopefully Cassidy can fix that. I don't think, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be as bad as it's been. I think Cassidy will make a difference there. Although saying that now they've lost patch already. So that's kind of a problem too, but yeah, uh, maybe, maybe a healthy Jack Eichel partially fixes that. Hopefully you need somebody to score goals because if stones out, there isn't many players left on that team that can, it, it gets pretty thin, pretty quick. Yeah. All right. The last question here, Bruce, how do you think Vincent Trocek and Panarin will mesh on the second line? What is Trocek's fantasy upside? I'm a big Trocek fan. I think you know that Bruce. I've been a, a fan of his going back to, was it 16, 17 when he scored 75 points in Florida? That was the year before his injury, right? The year before his injury. And I think um, like for me, that's his ceiling is 75 points and about 30 goals. That's kind of the, the ceiling. He's also, he, he's good. He covers hits like he's 2.28 hits per game the past two seasons. Um, generally like good shot volume. I think, uh, yeah, lost the light there from Vincent Trocek, but the thing to keep in mind here is he played mostly with Martin Nietzsche last year, and I think Andre Svechnikov were his two most common line mates in mm-hmm. Carolina. Um, and I don't believe he spent a ton of time on the power play. I could be wrong. I got to confirm that one. But no, I think it was mostly if he did get a look, it was on the second the second unit. Yeah. So my hope is he goes to uh, to New York. I think he's going to build some chemistry with. I mean, he's he's going to have some good players to work with, right? It should yeah. it should be Panarin. I think he will play with Panarin on the second line. I look at how many points Ryan Strom put up playing next to Panarin. Yeah. And I and I think in yeah. my opinion Trocheck's a better player. So Yeah, I think Trocheck's an upgrade over over Strom definitely. It'll be fun to it'll be fun to see, I think. I think they will do better. Yeah. I I, th- I think he'll be a better fit there. Also, the power play in in uh New York was fourth at 25.2%, I think which was a step up over Carolina. Um so yeah, I think no no worries there. I think Trocheck will do well. No, I think he'll he'll slide in. There might be a few hiccups earlier in the season, but I think by the end of the season, yeah, you'll see they'll both be playing quite nicely. And his ADP was a one fifty six um, last season. So keep that in mind. I, I think to me, he's a nice he's a nice pick somewhere in rounds fifteen through twenty. Yep, generally where I try and grab him. All right, that does it for our mailbag, uh, fantasy hockey mailbag, uh, off-season edition. Um, one last thing here, just a reminder: if you want to submit more questions, we can do f- uh, future mailbags like this. Send your questions, fantasyhockeyhacks at gmail.com. Uh, get in touch with us um, on our social media, uh, on Twitter at fhhacks, on Instagram at fantasyhockeyhacks, and you can get entered into our left wing lock contest to win a free one year subscription to the left wing lock iphone app so keep those questions coming thank you to everyone that did submit questions we really do appreciate it uh bruce anything else before we take off tonight i can't think of anything else (laughs) anything okay (laughs) uh oh i guess we are going to i'm just trying to think of which one we're starting with um i believe we're we're starting our division slash team fantasy hockey previews next week and I think we're doing 
the Pacific Division Part 1. I have to check that. But uh, be sure to tune in, subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. And we'll be doing uh, two parts of each division from now until close to the start of the regular season. And then we're going to do some some different things here. But be sure to tune in. So, Bruce, thanks. This was fun. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, the two original dudes just hanging out and getting it done. For sure. Okay, we'll talk to you next week. Hey, good night. Take care.